0: I'm Alicia, and this is Dead On. is a proud member of the Podmoth Media Network. Podmoth. On this podcast, I discuss upsetting and disturbing topics, including violent crime, rape, abuse, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, fam. We need all hands on deck for this case. It's time to solve this unsolved murder. And if you're in the North Miami Beach area, keep your eyes and ears peeled. The Cargill family needs your help the most. Imagine receiving the devastating news that your beloved father was gunned down outside his workplace. Then, for nearly two years, you wait for news that his killer has finally been arrested. Only that news never comes. For Katie Cargill, that isn't a hypothetical. This is soul-crushing reality. She's been in agony wondering who took her daddy from her. Will you help Katie finally get justice for her father? I stumbled across this case in a Facebook group called Buried Cold Cases, little-known unsolved murders and missing persons cases. So many cases are ignored by police and the media forcing family members to turn to social media to share information about their loved one's case. Feeling like the North Miami Beach Police Department wasn't taking the case seriously, Katie posted a beautiful tribute to her father, appealing for information about his case. I could feel her pain through her words, and I knew I had to do whatever I could to help. Who better to tell us all about the man, the myth, the legend himself, then his lovely daughter, Katie. Welcome, Katie. Thank you for joining me. Can you tell us a bit about your dad? Okay, so Daddy
1: was, like, my best friend. He was, like, the best person in the world. Any minor inconvenience in my life, I'm on the phone with my dad for absolutely no reason at all. Even if he can't fix it, I just need to tell him about it because. Who else are you going to complain to? He was, he was my person, you know? He was very family oriented. Mm-hmm. He loved his friends. He loved to ride his bike. Um, that was his whole life since he was a teenager. He rode bikes, always tinkered with things, always wanted to know how things worked. He stayed out of trouble, always making people laugh. Kids loved him. They kind of gravitated towards him because he was the fun person. You know, they would always ask for him after he left. Or friends are coming over. Oh, is is Uncle Junior coming? Because he was so much fun. He was just the light, you know. Our family loved him. He was known as like the class clown. Always making people laugh. He was the best.
0: Plus, your dad was the type of guy who could make you piss yourself with a single look, right? He was. I loved him.
1: <laughs> this is so funny. Every time I look at the picture I start laughing again. But we went to orientation, college orientation when I was going out to college. And um we were late. We drove all night and got to the college around like eight AM. The thing started at like seven thirty. Which is ridiculously early anyway, but we got there around like 8 or 8.30 and they had already started. So me and my dad got in there after finding parking because parking on college campuses is difficult anyway. But we got there, we we stopped by the front to get some breakfast because there were, you know, bagels and stuff. And then we went inside the auditorium and there were only seats left in the front. So we're already nervous because who wants to sit in the front when you're already late? So we kind of tiptoe to the front and we sit down. And the presenter starts talking about helicopter parents. And I remember that because my dad just, I don't know what kind of animation he had going on in his head. But he just found it so funny. Imagining a parent as a helicopter hovering over their kid. He starts cracking up. And he looks over at me and I can't hold it anymore. Like, I'm seriously sitting there trying to be serious. I I couldn't hold it. Whenever he looks at you and he's laughing, you can't help but laugh. Because his laugh is funny. And then the fact that he's cracking up, you can't not laugh. The presenters are looking at us. The guests are looking at us. Students are looking at us. Everybody's looking at us crazy, but we can't stop laughing. Literally tears running down our face. He's falling out of his chair. It's just so embarrassing. But I think that was, that's one of the best memories I have with him.
0: <laughs> he sounds like a crack up. That video that you sent me of him laughing, I can tell his laugh was contagious.
1: He's very, he was very animated, to say the least. Like his whole body, like knee slappers, like knees buckling, all that. He was guy.
0: <laughs> Clifton Bancroft Cargill Jr. was born on October 22, 1968. That's right, today is his birthday. I wish I could tell you this is a rare, uplifting episode, that this beautiful man was still with us, but I can't. On the morning of January 5, 2020, Clifton Cargill headed over to Bell's Bicycle Shop in North Miami Beach. Clifton was an award-winning cyclist who'd become a legend in the cycling community. Every Sunday morning, his cycling team, the Dirty Riders, met at the shop for their morning ride. He parked his car at the rear of the 1900 block of Northeast 163rd Street, out the back of Bell's Bicycle Shop, then waited in his car for the other members of his team to arrive. At about 6.50 a.m., someone approached the back of Clifton's car and shot him through the back of his head through the back passenger window. Katie remembers receiving that horrific news like it was yesterday.
1: I was at home sleeping. It was really early in the morning, but I was home sleeping. And I just kept getting calls back to back from people I wouldn't necessarily get calls from All these Miami numbers, my family's calling, his friend Omar's calling. And I'm sitting there like, why are they calling me? And I keep hanging up the phone, you know, like disregarding the call. And then the last time it was my cousin that called me. I think it was around 7 a.m. And I answered and she told me. And I go, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And I hang up the phone. And I called my dad immediately because I'm just like, they don't know what they're talking about. It's the wrong person. I don't even think it registered. I don't even think I thought it was the wrong person. I just said, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm going to call my dad.
0: While there's no good time to receive such devastating news, I can't even imagine being woken up first thing in the morning to find out that your father had been murdered. Your first instinct would be to believe someone made a tragic mistake.
1: So I called my dad. He doesn't answer the phone. I think I called 50 times in a row. I literally kept pressing call, 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 call. Nobody's answering. So I was just like, okay, let me call her back to make sure like she said what she said. And if she know where my daddy is. And I called her back and she's crying. Like, why are you crying? What's going on? And she sends me like an article. I don't know how the hell they got an article out that fast or how they got it on the news that fast. But apparently there was like, you know, red, there was yellow tape, caution tape or whatever around the scene. And I saw my dad's car in the picture. And that's when it was just like, was he in the car or like what's going on? Because that's my dad's car. And that's exactly where he parks. Everybody knows where he parks at.
0: Sadly the photo in the article left little to the imagination because the back passenger window had been blown out by the gunfire and that sickening moment katie realized it was all true it was
1: just it was just a little shock when i got when i was woken up to news like that like you didn't even let me live my life for a few hours before waking me up to something like that
0: Unfortunately, Katie was living five hours away from her dad at the time. So she and her husband had to make that long, soul-crushing drive to speak with investigators. The entire way, your heart would just be in your throat. On the one hand, you'd want concrete information about what happened. But on the other, there's a finality to receiving that information.
1: After I realized what was going on, we packed up the car And headed to Miami. And the detectives didn't... It's weird because the detectives didn't even call me until I was almost down there. And it's a five-hour drive to get there.
0: After arriving in Miami, Katie and her husband headed into the station to speak with investigators. Katie, do you feel like they took your dad's case seriously? No. No. Absolutely not. Because...
1: Okay, let me explain why I said this. When, when I, when I actually showed up and I had time to sit and process this after speaking with the detectives, right? They said, you shot into a plastic bag. We have video of this guy. And then pretty much that's where the evidence ended. We have his car. You can come and get belongings out of it. First of all, if you really wanted to get evidence, wouldn't everything be off limits to touch in the car? But no, we were able to go get it.
0: When I started researching the case, I was appalled. There were only a few articles about the case online. From my perspective, it didn't seem like either the media or the police took the case very seriously at all. Yeah,
1: it, the real, and then the real upsetting part is that... Every time, is that every time you see anything about my dad, you kind of see people talking about, you know, cycling and, 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 and his awards and what he did. And it's just like, yeah, but someone murdered him. So how about we appeal for information? Like, you guys are focusing on this stuff. We know. We know that. <laughs> Clearly, the team is named after him. We know that. Can we appeal for information? Can we talk about details of the case? Can we get witnesses to talk about, you know, what happened? Even if, even if it's, even if it's theories or whatever, like, can we, can we talk about that? This is not getting us anywhere. We know he was a good guy. We, we've done that to death. Now let's talk about how to move forward from here. Let's talk about how to catch this guy.
0: Clearly, Clifton lived an extraordinary, exciting life. But Katie feels like there's been a disproportionate focus on his achievements. That the investigation into his murder is just a footnote in his story. When, at this point, catching his killer should be the focal point. And this is particularly chilling to me. They told you that there was CCTV footage of the crime, right?
1: It was like at Bell's shop, so I think that's how everybody else saw it. But I don't know if they took it. I guess they took it, obviously they took it, but I don't think I ever saw it. But I don't want to see it anyway.
0: Which sounds like a red hot lead. Surely the killer couldn't get away with it after being caught on camera, right? Well, so far he has. Apparently the footage wasn't great quality and the killer was difficult to identify in the early morning light. That being said, surely someone will recognize the man in the footage. After all, there's more identifying features on a person than their face. For example, their build and their body type. Their posture. The way they move. I could spot my husband across a football field and know for sure it was him. The killer would probably have loved ones that would recognize him in a similar way.
1: With all the CCTV footage in America, I'm just disheartened at the fact that you can't find one man in a hoodie on a bike. What the hell? Like, he killed a person, and you are it's like you're not even trying
0: to find him. Do you care? Unfortunately, no part of this footage has been released which seems like a tremendous miss. If the police released a media appeal about the case and enhanced the footage as much as possible, they might be able to collect a few tips from the public. Here's the thing, big cities like Miami are filled with traffic cams. and Bell's bicycle shop is surrounded by other businesses that would no doubt have CCTV cameras of their own, but if it wasn't reviewed back then, it's probably lost to the sands of time. Bell's Bicycle Shop is located in the 1900 block of Northeast 163rd Street, right on a major thoroughfare called State Route 826. I was curious if there were any traffic cams in the area. So I hopped on Google and found a website called FL511 that has a directory of traffic cams in Florida. You can even filter by region, county, and roadway. And let me tell you, there are a ton of traffic cams in Miami.
1: I didn't hear anything about traffic cams. I didn't hear anything about canvassing after the initial canvassing. I didn't hear anything about, you know, following up on leads, interviewing suspects. I didn't hear anything like that. Not sure if they did it. I haven't gotten any updates. And I'm not going to hound you to do your job because at the end of the day, You either want to find this guy or you don't. I'm not going to try to force your hand to do your job. That's just not the kind of person I am. And I don't feel like he would be doing that either.
0: It's so disappointing to hear that you feel let down.
1: See, I don't want to sound like I'm being a negative Nancy. But when I went to after speaking with the detectives, I said to my family, And to my mom and to everybody, I was just like, they're not going to find this guy. Something just, something told me. Something told me they're not going to find this guy. I don't know what told me, but literally just popped in my head like, he's not going to be found.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the killer knew where your dad would be and when.
1: Just the fact that my dad was never alone at that shop okay? For for two years, he was never alone at the shop. And just the one day that everyone was running late, look what happens.
0: It speaks to premeditation, doesn't it?
1: And he was off guard. Like, if you know my dad, you know he never gets caught off guard by anything, okay? He's always ready.
0: It seems that they knew him well enough to know that, which is why they snuck up on him.
1: He does somebody that knew him. He didn't come from the side, he came from the back. It's terrible. Like, very premeditated.
0: Did detectives speak to you about any persons of interest or suspects in the case?
1: No! No, because they weren't looking at anybody. And the one person they should have been looking at is nowhere to be
0: found. Conveniently. Wait, so the possible suspect totally disappeared after the murder? Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. Nowhere to be found. Well, that's not suspicious at all. Does anyone else suspect this person? Yes.
1: Yeah, literally the only person anybody's ever said. It's a slim list, okay? Very, very, very small list. And nobody hate my dad.
0: And it seems that this person is very likely a member of the cycling community considering they fled the scene on a bike.
1: Not on foot, not a track star. A bike. How do you not catch a man on a bike? Bikes are like fingerprints. They don't, no two are the same because they're all different heights. They all have different gears. They all have different, you know, electronic components on their bikes. They are very different.
0: Exactly. Hardcore cyclists don't have stocky standard bikes. They usually customize their bikes and kit them out since they spend so much time on it. Your dad being no exception. It sounds like he spent most of his time either cycling or working.
1: In his final months, he got even more like isolated from people. So he would go ride his bike on the weekends. And on Monday morning, he would start the grind all over again. Gets up 6 a.m., goes to work. He had his roots mapped out. Like whenever I would talk to him, he'd be going to sleep at nine o'clock just to make sure he got enough sleep to get up the next day and go to work and come home, you know, eat. Man, that he stopped eating meat at one point. And this man was a carnivore, okay? Like his whole life. Oh, he stopped eating meat. He stopped drinking soda. No more juice. Like he was just. You know, he was getting into that, like, health kick because he knew he was getting older, like.
0: It would have been well out of character for your dad to even have an enemy.
1: Mm -mm, Never. Always sharing, cooking for people, like, going and, and grilling at the shop.
0: It seems like your dad had a magnetic personality. I could tell from that video you sent me. He was standing outside with a bunch of people just laughing and having a good time. Everyone around him was looking at him. He had gravitas.
1: I'm pretty sure that was such a simple situation, too. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Like, he would zone in on one thing and it would become the biggest deal ever. I'm pretty sure that was like the simplest situation. And he had everybody laughing. Like, it was. Cirque du Soleil, okay? This is, yeah, he was was awesome.
0: (laughs) Why do you think they haven't caught the suspect yet?
1: I knew they weren't going to find him. Again, that's not to sound like I'm being negative. I just, there was a feeling that I had walking out of that station that day.
0: I understand why you'd feel that way. It doesn't seem like they've put a tremendous amount of effort into solving this case.
1: I don't think that I mean, do they put a tremendous amount of effort into finding the killers of any black man?
0: Ooh, ooh, here we go, all right, but it's true. Anyone who spent time researching crime and the justice system has seen it fail like this time and again.
1: If he was a rich white man, this would have been solved, but my dad was poor, and you know when you're black when you're a black man you they assume. That you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. Meanwhile, it was the complete opposite. He didn't do anything he wasn't supposed to do. The man didn't even drink soda. Never smoked a cigarette in his life. Never gambled a day in his life. Never took drugs. You know what I'm saying? Go to work. Come home. Ride his bike on a weekend. That's
0: it. I could tell from the instant I saw your post that your father had a beautiful spirit. It shines even through the photos.
1: Yeah, the picture with the coconuts, man. That guy, he was funny. I'm not even gonna lie. I miss, I miss him. Like this world is definitely, like this world has a hole in it now that he's gone. It's not the same, and I miss him so much. And I find myself wanting to call him sometimes when I'm having a bad day because he, he knows. what to say he knew exactly what to say or even then he would be in the background laughing with his friends and I would have to yell at him because he's not talking to me he's talking to everybody else and I was actually talking to him that Saturday night he was laughing with his friend in the background and I was so mad I hung up the phone I hung up the phone and then he was gone just like that
0: it's not right that you and your family have had to wait so long for answers. This case should already be solved. I totally understand why you would feel that way. Nearly two years would stretch on for an eternity. And it's a burden you shouldn't have to bear on your own. I'm here to support you. And the True Crime community is full of sleuths. We can all step up and help you to get answers.
1: I'm I'm praying. That this is weighing on his conscience or their conscience, whatever, weighing on them. And yeah, the universe will take care of him if it hasn't already.
0: You, your dad, and your family all deserve justice.
1: Uh, He definitely deserves justice. He didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. Not at all. Not to be shot like, not to be killed like that. He deserved to die an old man with his family. He deserved he he deserved to die an old man because he still had a lot of life left in him. It's terrible just because we didn't really get to say goodbye to him, but we definitely didn't get to say goodbye to him. He didn't get to meet his grandson. He's never gonna gonna get to meet any of his grandkids. It's just it's just terrible because How is this, how did this guy just get away with it? He just got away with murder.
0: At this point, the killer is probably thinking he's gotten away with it. Well, guess what, mate? The clock is ticking and your time is nearly up. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I loved hearing all about your dad.
1: No, thank you for doing this. Because I know you didn't have to, but... You saw my dad, like you actually saw him and not many people do because he's kind of, you know, faded into the background in the cold cases, but he was a person. He was here and he was, you know, he was real. So thank you for seeing him and thank you for hearing me.
0: You are so welcome, my love. Okay, fam. Are you ready? to roll up your sleeves and help Katie and her family. There is already a person of interest who she and others believe may have killed Clifton. One of you may not even realize you're holding a piece to the puzzle. I'll help you fill in a few gaps that might help jog your memory. The killer likely knew Clifton quite well, considering they knew where he'd be that morning, were confident identifying him in the early morning light, and through the back window of his car. The crime was premeditated. The killer used a makeshift brass catcher, firing the gun through a plastic bag so shell casings wouldn't be left at the scene. And the killer may have known Clifton through the cycling community, as they left the scene on their bike. Do you recall someone behaving strangely or out of character around January 5th, 2020? Did someone you know disappear following this crime? Or did their gun suddenly go missing? If you know who killed Clifton, it's time to come forward and share what you know. Do you live in Miami? Do you hang out around Bell's Bicycle Shop? If you saw anything suspicious in the area around the time of the murder, even if it seems insignificant, you might unknowingly hold a piece to the puzzle. If you have any information about who murdered Clifton Cargill Jr., and if doing the right thing isn't enough of an incentive, there's a reward of up to $3,000 for information leading to the arrest of Clifton's killer. Please contact Detective E. Garcia, or if you wish to remain anonymous, contact Miami-Dade Crime Stoppers. I'll add all of the contact information to the episode discovery page. In honor of this beautiful man, please share his story all over social media. I'll share some posts across my social media channels, which you can either copy or share onwards. Time to remind the killer, the police, and the media that we haven't forgotten about him. Rest in peace, Clifton Bancroft Cargill Jr. May angels lead you in. Before I go, I need to thank the legends who support Dead On. Special thanks to Chris Hardy of the True Crime Club on Facebook, Jennifer Henshaw, Justin Ware, Haley Hepburn, Brandy Lewis, Daniel Vaughn, and Michelle Engsmere. Okay, that's enough from me. If you've got a bike, please go on a ride to honor Clifton's memory. And for fuck's sakes, stop! Committing crimes. Okay, bye. If you're all caught up on Dead On and looking for a new pod to binge, you gotta check out my crunchy podcast. Here's a little snack of what you can expect.
1: Hey everyone, my name is Eddie, producer, legend, and host of My Crunchy Podcast over on the Pod Moth Media Network. If you're looking for something chaotic, somewhat messy, and very incomprehensible, then go stream My Crunchy Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So stop searching and start listening to all your new
0: faves from the Pod Moth Media Network team now. If you love Dead On, and I hope you do, please consider supporting me on Patreon. With your help, I can continue to create this arduous but rewarding labor of love. Dead On, a true crime podcast, is a small, independent production. From research, to audio, to marketing, I do it all myself, in-house. With your support, the Dead On community will be able to improve, grow, and become a force to be reckoned with. Plus, you'll get access to bonus episodes, exclusive content, and monthly live streams where you can ask me anything you damn well please. Keen to get on board? Find a link to my Patreon in the show notes. That being said, look after yourself first. If you don't have the extra cash, there's other ways you can support the show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite streaming service. You can also spread the word on social media. Catch me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at deadonpodcast. Or search for Dead On, a true crime podcast on YouTube. Special thanks to Fuzz Douglas, the talented musician who created the kick-ass theme music. You can find more of his tunes on SoundCloud. I'll drop a link in the show notes. I'm Alicia, and this is Dead On.